Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Kim Shamtali. She is an entrepreneur, an aromatherapist, an international best-selling author, the owner and founder of Muscle Mechanics Balms, and last but certainly not least, a mother. Welcome, Kim. How are you doing today? I am very well, thank you. How are you? I am doing very well. Thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. I'm really excited and looking forward to jumping in and learning all about and sharing all about who you are and the beautiful light you put out into the world. So with that being said, let's jump right in. Kim, how long have you been an aromatherapist? I've been an aromatherapist now for 16 years, and that's, for me, it's like giving away a bit of my age. (laughs) A lot of wisdom with these years that are going past. (laughs) I've personally not heard of a lot of people that hold the title of an aromatherapist. Can you, for the people who might not know or might not have an awareness around it, explain what an aromatherapist is and what you do as an aromatherapist? An aromatherapist is a connoisseur of mixing and blending ideal chemistry within the body using plant and botanical life, such as fragrances and essential oils to find balance. And they do that through a therapeutic medium. It could be massage. It could be through a spray or a balm to apply on the body. Some people inhale a certain blend that can help them alleviate certain aches and pains, but some sort of everyday illnesses like cold and flu. It's it's what I would call a natural first aid to yourself. Okay. And so what inspired your journey into becoming an aromatherapist and what's the process? How does one become an aromatherapist? My inspiration came from really just wanting to see what my body was capable of. I wanted to know that I could find natural ways to heal without always having to call a doctor or having to ask someone else for advice. So I guess it came from an instinctive feel to then look at the nature around me and see how that would manifest in giving me what I need at a certain point in my life. And I wasn't alone in this feeling When I was studying, I was at a point when I was a single parent and I wanted to shift from my previous career to something that would be more holistic and give me a 
a bit of reflective time, time to relax family and work-life balance. So I studied at the University of Surrey and oh. I studied complementary health therapies, which covered aromatherapy around all different oils. So we learned about the composition of 150 different essential oils and how they best fit when you blend them with regards to if you have a frozen shoulder or if you decide that, oh, hang on a minute, that doesn't feel right. I've got a stomach ache. What you need to do to make that essentially heal better without intervention of conventional medications. Okay. Now you had mentioned that before you became an aromatherapist, your previous career, what were you doing for a living before you made the jump into becoming an aromatherapist and the entrepreneurial world? I was in banking. It's oh. highly stressful, <laughs> lots of pressure, lots of sales. I remember going to work every day and dreading it. The whole team talk, so to speak, they always used to say, oh, we'll just do this staff meeting today. And it would be, oh, we need to get 50 of these accounts opened. We need to speak to cold call, like 100 people. And I just felt this was misery. It just wasn't what I was about as a person. So I was itching to get out and find out more about what I could do. And how long did you work in the banking world before making that shift? I'm going to laugh at myself now because <laughs> it was far too long. 12 years. Wow. I know. Oh, I just, oh, it's one of those moments you think if I had that epiphany earlier, I so would have jumped. <laughs> yeah, but that's all part of your journey, right? You had to go through it to get to where you are today. That's right. And so what are some of the key benefits then of aromatherapy? I think it's finding your inner peace. For me, sometimes we can get anxious and me Balancing anxieties and worries, because I'm a mum, obviously, it helps me ground myself so I can become more successful in my day. I really love the fact that you can then just go to your workspace and make up a blend, which will then help alleviate some of these symptoms that you might get. And just it's just so soothing. At times when you're grieving, when maybe you're dealing with loss, I've found it to be a source of comfort. And it doesn't just stop there. It can reach into muscular health and joint pain issues and just rebuilding of yourself after, say, from, from my personal journey, having my children. Your body's completely different biologically, but when you have surgery, because it's not a natural birth, for example, your body has had surgical intervention, which means it needs some element of rehabilitation and aromatherapy was fantastic for helping with that to stimulate the healing response within my own body. So I was able to get up and out and about and just enjoy being a mum. Aromatherapy can help with grief? Yes. Wow. It's, it's, I, I think it's incredible. The amount of people I've helped that have been in that space, as well as me finding myself in there. It's been one of those sort of invisible hugs. So yeah. when you feel low, they're able to appreciate they're not on their own. I think the isolation and depression you can feel with being in grief is it's all consuming to some people. It's something that you don't ever know you're going to feel like until you're there. And with aromatherapy, it, it can encourage people to talk 
people to to start finding comfort in other people and enjoying life again and that's I can't put a price on that that is just so invaluable that is incredibly powerful I had no idea wow mm. and so what are some of the biggest misconceptions then about aromatherapy <laughs> well there are a few <laughs> with what I do I volunteer with a a football club and I obviously was putting myself in a line of fire. There's a, a lot of misunderstandings of aromatherapy, as you just mentioned. And one of them, the guys were saying to me is, that's all about lavender, isn't it? And I was just quietly laughing. But then I realized there's like such a wide scope to educate <laughs> a certain field of sports people to to learn about it and know there's so much more than lavender involved with aromatherapy. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that tickled me a lot. And I will always remember that first opening sentence. So <laughs> <laughs> kind of hard not to forget that one for no. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Does aromatherapy have both immediate and long-term effects? Yes, depending on which way we are using aromatherapy, if you inhale through, say, you have an inhaler stick or you have a sort of a, a steam bath where you're inhaling yeah. to relieve congestion, that is one of the fastest modes of application because when you use the olfaction system, which is the smelling sense, you are going straight to the brain and you're not going through any other filtration process. So if you need to feel a certain way, say if you are nervous about something and you need to feel calm within a moment or two, then that would be the best one to use is inhalation. And by doing that, you're centering yourself straight away. I find that's um, incredible. I still do, even to this day, I mean, 16 years in, it surprises me how quick it, it can react. The longer lasting side effects is really, if you use it, you are stimulating your own immune response to whatever is going on out there. Many people had COVID. It wasn't something that you could hide from, but it's sort of, it was there for me to work with, with a number of clients, the lasting effects of what COVID could do to you and how to best help them in reestablishing a balance of a variety of, of symptoms. And I find aromatherapy is just one of those types of skills you can apply that then they could then use later on. As soon as you show them how, they're able right. to do a lot more. And so what are some of the differences between using aromatherapy versus conventional methods then? I would like to say that as a complementary therapist, as we like to be alongside conventional therapy. But right. the difference, if you were to go down the natural route of healing, would be that you need to be patient with yourself as a person and what you're experiencing and going through. The way the therapy works, it responds to how you are behaving towards yourself. Now, a lot of the time when people suffer inflammation, it's a number of issues at play. It could be from an emotional response to something that's happened in their life or it is a physical trauma that's happened. And it's really important to find the root cause before you can then apply the best method of it. And with conventional therapy, they tend to treat the symptoms and I don't think they have the time necessarily to look at the root cause for most people. And in a general practice in the UK, that can be 
a bit of an issue for a variety of reasons. People can have undiagnosed long-term illnesses that have the opportunity to develop and get worse. And I find that that's a shame. Yeah. we can work together, it can almost act as a triage for GPs to then refer non-urgent, but perhaps those that require more time to then come Mm -hmm. forward where we can help as therapists to establish more of a root cause and then refer back. I would like to see that be more prevalent going forward, but we can see. Have you seen that happening a little bit then in the UK with what you said, using aromatherapy as a supplemental thing to conventional methods. Has this been happening and you just want to see more of it or has it not been happening and you want to get that going in the UK alongside the conventional methods? I've seen parts of it happening whereby as a therapist, muscular skeletal issues, we're seeing more people come through to us because they can't get seen by a GP and they can't get seen at accident emergency. They're not getting seen quick enough. The waiting times are through the roof. And for that, they need urgent assistance. So they're not willing to wait around. So attitude and behavior is changing. People are searching for alternatives and they're looking in our direction and this is where we need to sort of be on our A game and deliver a good level of care, but also the best intentions when we're treating them so that we'd never assume we always work with what people already know and then go from there. So I have seen a change and I think it's just going to change a bit more because people are knowing that we exist, but also the ease of access to, to find us. But You know, for me, as a producer of aromatherapy products, they're learning how best to use them. And this will then open the door further still to have these conversations with general practitioners and other medical professionals. Do you see that actually continuing to grow and happen between alternative methods of healing and and medicine working side by side with your GPs, etc.? Do you really see that happening? I would like it to. We've been wounded in the past. I'm not going to deny that. that Whenever we've had conversations and medical professionals were quick to dispel that anything we did was really a placebo. There was no substantiated scientific proof. But now there are more research papers to suggest otherwise. They are listening. And this is the first time in a long time that perhaps there is room for an alliance where we can work together. So there needs to be a mutual respect across both yeah. fields. Yeah. And it clearly doesn't go both ways right now. No, for sure. <laughs> I've lived and breathed this many a time and I've had conversations with consultants where they've just said, no, this won't work. Why would you want to pursue that? Um, then they've turned around and said, actually, it did work. But you know, <laughs> it's, I'm like, Get your I'm story like- straight. Jeez. <laughs> I'm like saying, okay, so I'm not going to get an apology from you. No, of course not. I just, you know, I just wanted the best outcome for my clients. But yeah, yeah, yeah. This is you saying you kind of agree, which is <laughs> news for me. <laughs> what is one common myth about your profession that you'd like to debunk? Well, when people say it's hocus pocus. Mm-hmm. it's like you're a witch oh, definitely Jesus. not definitely not i'm not any of these things it still happens like wow. even like a couple of months ago it's they can't believe that you can do this kind of 
therapy, but as a also a light worker, work with energy, mm. there's something that's in us that we share with people. We help them. And yeah. because they can't quantify it with science, they're quick to then come up with their own rational thinking and it's way off the mark <laughs> it immediately gets dismissed because they can't quantify it with scientific data it, right and it's they just love numbers they love numbers they love something that's tangible they can read off a script it's this it's this it's this and sometimes there are no explanations why yeah. somebody can spontaneously remove cancer that they had in their body they can't explain it and that mm -hmm. they, they try so hard that it almost is awkward to listen to. Just <laughs> just say, sometimes miracles can happen to That's people. Right. That's right. And you must accept that, you know, that person had a mission. They wanted to yeah. live. And yep. this is their mission. And, you know, I was treating a 28-year-old young lady that had just had a, a child. The child was eight months old. And she was stage four bowel cancer. Uh, and I was at this hospice that was keep treating cancer patients and she she had the worst prognosis and she had days where she thought she's not going to make it and then she just had this total turnaround we had sessions every week for i think it was about 45 minutes mm -hmm. and i i just saw her change she started to fight she started to fight for her life and she was reading, she was swatting up on everything she could on ways to be healthier as a person and her nutrition, her exercise, just her mindset. And it was fantastic. I nearly fell off my chair when she came <laughs> in one day and she said, it's gone. Wow. It's gone. And I was crying. I was emotional because I just gave her the biggest hug ever. But it was just what it was going to be like for her family and for her child as well. It was how just, incredible. It was such a powerful day for me to be able to witness that. That is absolutely incredible. What advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career as an aromatherapist? <laughs> Lots of patience. <laughs> uh, you might have sort of tuned into your psyche that it's something that you like to do. But with passion comes the finesse of skills. You need to take time to perfect what you're good at and learn those things that you're not so good at because it's still part of your skill. It's still part of aromatherapy. So maybe you like blending, but you're not going to learn all about your plant life, which might let you down later on. You still got to do a little bit of swatting, still got to sit there, do your exams. It's part of the course of becoming the best you can be. So there's always something you don't like, but the benefits and the potential you can reach far outweigh that. Love it. Now, as mentioned, Kim, you're the owner and founder of Muscle Mechanics Balms. How long have you been running that business? That one I set up in 2020 through lockdown because okay. obviously face-to-face -face appointments were not possible. Right. I had to close my business and then we needed to totally pivot. So it took me back to that mindset of when I switched from banking to doing aromatherapy. Right. I had to then become creative and think, what am I going to do now? So I had to think of ways that I hadn't already accessed that would be 
potential for income generation. And uh, that's how I set up muscle mechanics bombs in my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> so COVID was the catalyst. It was indeed. <laughs> As it was for so many people to shift their businesses and, and their careers and what they were doing. Yeah, and there was just no escaping it. When your back's against the wall, you've got to come up with other alternatives, other solutions. Yeah, for sure. Now, you designed a set of muscle bombs to deal with everyday physical issues that mothers would face with their children. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yes. My main reason to produce them in the first place was my son. He was undergoing chemotherapy and he was doing weekly sessions. So he would have to have bloods and then he would have his active treatment in the hospital. But what I noticed is there's a lot of side effects that were coming with that treatment. And mm -hmm. I, I just wanted to make it more comfortable for him. And I knew I was in a position to do that. And that's when I started to think of ways that I could apply something to his joints that were aching uh, when he was feeling sick, when he felt he was hot. There were so many things that were coming out, headaches and dizziness, that we just needed to have something to attend to it at home. And the aromatherapy was the clearest message I had to right. use to help him. And so how is he doing now? He has got a lot of energy these days. Yeah, <laughs> That's a good thing. He's definitely doing a lot better. They mm -hmm. managed to stabilize the tumor. That Beautiful. And yeah, he screams to the top of his lungs about <laughs> how good this magic balm is because it's magic. Everything's yes. magic. Oh, and, I um, love that. You know, so we go back to the witchery thing again. I swear it's not me. <laughs> and this came from him. And he said, it's magic balm. I need it on my ankle today. Mom, yeah. can you put some on there? Because I, I want to be able to do the sponsored walk. So I put oh, some on before amazing. school. And then off he goes. And it's breathtaking seeing him progress so much. At the same time, I'm just thinking, wow, look at that. <laughs> He's got to be the inspiration behind all of it. I mean, that's incredible. He is. He was the one that gave me the idea to set it like jelly in the yeah. fridge. Because I was trying to think which ways to make this work. I said, it's a bit too slippery as an oil. I, I, want, I don't think this is going to work. The spray doesn't work deep enough. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? And he goes, set it like jelly. And then I just came together with my ingredients. <laughs> I put it in the fridge and I set it like jelly. Yeah. And he was right. I mean, oh, obviously there was disaster awesome. behind me with all these cakes we were baking and it was all <laughs> wrong. But his point was very, very good for me. Is it, it set very well. And when I tried it, it was amazing. It works. And we had this eureka moment amongst all the chaos. <laughs> that is amazing. Is he still going through treatments? No, he did very well. Everything mm -hmm. shrank as much as it could do. And he came off the treatment in July 2020, which amazing. Is, yeah, it was good. And now we've just got a clear run of rehabilitating and getting back out there. Oh, that's such beautiful and great news. Thank you for sharing that, Kim. <laughs> that's all right. You're welcome. You say it's your mission to teach others the benefits of how natural ways of managing our health and fitness can make a positive impact on our lives. Why do you believe so strongly in this and why have you decided to make this your personal mission? I think because of my own family's journey and my personal journey with it, that we don't know enough. We don't know enough about our own body's potential. We don't know enough about our own healing capacity. 
and it's something people have become so reliant on other people telling them what to do that they've lost touch of what's already innate and within them and i would like to see that change where people trusting themselves more and using their instincts when things aren't right they are exploring why that is rather than sitting on it expecting it to go away burying their head in the sand i think having knowledge is powerful it gives you the chance to do something about it and that's what i would like to do more is just to give people that that edge they can always trust themselves why not you know if you feel that you're doubtful about something go and get a second opinion so yeah it's it's passion of mine yes don't always trust the words of your gp and your doctors and all of those type definitely be more open-minded it's yeah, just to be receptive of other ways of doing things. If, yeah. you know, if you get five people in a room and you ask them to draw something, they're not going to draw the same thing. And this right. is how we think as people. We shouldn't be conditioned by our surroundings. We should listen to what we are capable of doing and come up with our own suggestion and not be afraid to verbalize that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love your mission. I think it's great. Thank you. It's a bit crazy at times because there's a lot of people. (laughs) Well, yeah, but you'll get there. It's one person at a time, right? That is true. I can't go any further than that at any one time. Sometimes when your diary is stacked, you're just thinking, yeah, one client at a time. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. What lights you up or is the most inspiring part of the work that you do, Kim? I love seeing people change and become so much more aware of themselves from the first time they come in when they come in it's like the last chance saloon they feel like all the, <laughs> the colors you know they, they feel like oh, i tried everything i tried yeah. this it didn't work this didn't work and i thought there's no pressure here no pressure yeah okay and then they keep talking and they keep talking and they just look like they've lost themselves and i just absorb that moment and capture it and then maybe six months later we have this conversation where they're feeling like they're doing so much better they've achieved buying their house or they've got married or something like they've conceived a child that's been long awaited and you know they can't even believe it you know that that was them six months ago but i always bring out their notes and go do you remember this conversation you had (laughs) I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's the best bit because I, you only ever want them to be the best they can be. And sure. being a guide, being a healer, or just being that sort of nurturing person that just says, yeah. look, this is your time. What what do you want to do today? How, how are you feeling? Let's work with where you're at rather than pursuing a certain system of how yeah. we're going to do things. It, it just allows them to be themselves. And that's the best bit. beautiful now on the flip side of that kim what would you say is one of the most challenging parts about the work that you do well the challenging part would be just sometimes things can be too advanced i remember working at this hospice and there were a lot of people and some of them were going to die and you have to be at peace with that. You cannot save everybody or help everybody. There are always some that have made their decision, and this is yeah. the way that, that it's going to be. And the acceptance of that is such a challenge because you get very close to them. And mm-hmm. as a therapist, you have to learn to protect yourself, not to get 
too close that you cannot detach because the grief involved in that is so real. And, you know, to be absorbed in that every day, I appreciate how doctors and surgeons and medical professionals have to act because that is just so raw being in that moment when things are like that and you have to say goodbye to people when you only saw them in the morning and then they're no longer there the next time you show up to treat them that's the most challenging part it's never easy it's never easy and I can totally understand when they always say in an off-cuff interview that you know we're human we feel things too and you know it's true it's very challenging for sure what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? <laughs> Boundless energy. I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> People want deep, to steal deep it. within. <laughs> How do you do that? You run two marathons. What's wrong with you? <laughs> it's very deep within, and you just tap into that reservoir. Yes, it's a hard one to explain because people say you're always doing things, you're always so busy. I'm just thinking, well, actually, for me, this is what I'm used to. It's um, normal. <laughs> yeah, it's my normal. Yeah. So, Speaking of success, Kim, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? That's a very good point. Success, if you look at reflection of where you were, say where you were last month, where you were 10 months ago, and you feel better that's success it could be it could be that you've lost 10 kilos it could be that you've managed to get your children to school and everything's gone well gone smoothly you have got your health but also just being able to see something through so you start something and that you finish it (laughs) yeah yeah that to me is important to others it might not be but for me finishing something that I start is is something that I was terrible at when I was younger (laughs) (laughs) excellent what is one of the most important things you've learned in your life and what was your life like before learning it what was your life like after you learned it I've learned to be resilient and to never give up on something I've had to really dig deep and face a lot of fear But most of all, just face the negative shadow side of ourselves that we don't always like to confront, the side of ourselves that always comes out when you're doing well and wants to sabotage. So I've learned to embrace it and face it and just go, well, not today, thanks. I'm I'm happy where I'm at and I want to continue staying that way. So it's like those conversations, and I'll relate it to running because obviously in a marathon you're having these mental conversations a lot. Yeah, <laughs> um, you, you go for miles 10 to 13, everything is great. The first half marathon is great. And then you go, hang on a minute, what's happening to my body? And then fear comes in. Oh, this doesn't feel right. Something's happening. And you have these discussions, and it's like, you could quit if you wanted to because they're not going to stop you. You no. could just pull out any time or you could keep going. And it's the keep going and putting yourself in that mindset of what it would feel like when you got to mile 18. Let's just do it. Let's just see, visualize ourselves. And then I start pulling on that strength of visualization and just get myself through that. And I think for anything traumatic that you face in life, it's it's that sort of skill set of getting to visualize where you're going to end up and really appreciating what that would feel like to you. So then you can then almost be guiding yourself there one way or another. I mean, there'll be a few bumps in the road as they are, but you get there and then believe it or not, you're arriving at mile 18. Hello. 
this is great. You yeah. didn't think you'd get here. You got the drink station. Okay, brilliant. We've got some friends we can talk to. And it becomes tangible to finish the marathon. And it's just, you hit the wall. And I totally believe that because you feel that you can't run a single step anymore. But the telling off you give yourself and just saying, come on, we can do it. You're just having that sort of Rocky style chat, you know, and you say, come on, we've only got so, so many more kilometers left. You can do this. And then yeah, sort yeah. of like basement urge of like, rah, passion comes out and you just find it. And there you are sort of almost staggering over the finish line. It's not pretty, but you finish it. And that is a hundred percent successful because you've beaten all the demons inside yourself that would tell you otherwise not to do. That's it. The mind is such an incredibly powerful tool. It is. It Kim, is who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? I would say that would be my son. Yeah. Well, all my children, really, because I, I'm under evaluation every day. <laughs> <laughs> Good, bad, or ugly. Yeah, I'm still under evaluation. So, mom, you didn't do this today. Yeah, you forgot to do this. Oh, you promised me. Oh, yeah. gosh, don't ever promise if you can't deliver. That's not good news because they'll yeah. come back and tell you. And it's just certain things like they say to you sometimes it catches you off guard. Or you're my hero and I want to be like you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, why would you want to be like me? I'd rather be like you. <laughs> <laughs> what so, was a turning point in your life and how did it affect you? My turning point, I guess, was when I was a single parent. I had to really look at how I was living my life and be honest, have a brutal, honest conversation. I think, how are you going to be better? I mean, what do you need to do to find yourself where you want to be? What is it you like to do? I, I just completely lost track. And it's sort of at that point where you're at your lowest that you find inspiration. And I think being with my daughter at that time, it was a very powerful moment where she's just there in her little rocker, about six months old, staring at me, these big brown eyes. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking, oh, okay, mum needs to sort something out here. Yeah. We need to reach for bigger, better things. <laughs> <laughs> and here you are. So kudos to you for doing it, for reaching in and doing the hard work and getting yes. yourself here. It was, yeah, I remember sitting to enroll in a university degree and I took my daughter with me and they're mm -hmm. looking at me. And the only one there is obviously a little bit older now than the other students, but they're looking at me because I have my daughter with me in her, right. in her pram and they're wondering, why are you doing this? Yeah. Why are you signing up to a degree? You're not going to be able to finish. And it's almost like they were going to write you off. But yeah. I was determined. There's no way I was going to be taken off of this path of where I wanted to be. So I sat there and did my interview and the lecturer said, fine, but you know what you've got to do. And this is why I remember it now. You must remember to hand your work in, mm -hmm. hand it in. <laughs> Jeez. Yes. I was like, okay. <laughs> the resilience. There you go. I love it. Kudos to you for having the strength and the resilience and the courage to do it. You should be the, very proud. It was, yeah, it was one of those moments. I, 
at the end when we graduated, I made my daughter a mortarboard. <laughs> so we both had one. And yeah. so I made hers with a little hairband and she was about three years old. And I had one and we had a photo together because oh. I just said it was more her degree as it was mine. Yeah. Because of the time I spent completing everything, but also time she spent having to then go to nursery and you know yeah. the sacrifices you make because it's not without that yeah. that you get there. I love it. Kim, what does the word empowerment mean to you? Ooh, I love this word. I just love it <laughs> for many reasons. Well, we could say it's wisdom, knowledge, just being totally aware of where you are and everything around you and that you're in the best place possible. It's it's just you're pulling on all your skill sets, all your resources, and you're operating at the highest level. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions will just be two, three, four word answer type thing, okay? <laughs> okay. How would you describe yourself in one word? Relentless. What is your favorite self-care practice? Meditation. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? To love unconditionally. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? My healing skills. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. If you were writing your autobiography, what would the title be? The Resilient Spirit Warrior. What never fails to make you laugh? My children. And that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. You did great. You rocked it. (laughs) What is one lesson, Kim, that your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? To never give up on your dreams and to just try again. You know, no two results are the same. You can just give it another go. Just don't be so quick to quit everything just Mm because it didn't work out. What challenge in your life has shaped you the most? A challenge for me is dealing with my own levels of low mood I can achieve. It's like depression. Mm-hmm. It's part of my genetic makeup, unfortunately, as it is. It's something I've had to face up to, and that is my biggest challenge. But through my self-care routine and methods, I've learned to live with it. And every now and then when it creeps up, I'm able to deal with the positive intervention to stop it from escalating. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Well, I was going to say the Queen of England because I wanted to just find out how on earth she did the job she did for so long, like 70 Mm -hmm. years of service. And she's an incredible woman, very humble and kind and I like those qualities and it was very sad to hear of her passing so yeah for me I would have loved to have an hour's conversation if I was allowed (laughs) Kim if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice what would that piece of advice be to not be scared of change to not be too hard on yourself when sometimes things don't work out and and that's okay. You just have to learn to forgive yourself and yeah. not be so hung up on the little details of what didn't work out and why this didn't work. And just just be relaxed in the approach that, you know, life's still going. You, you can still be yourself. You can still find other ways to move forward. Sometimes those things that don't work out the way we want or the way we planned are 
actually working out exactly in our best interest. Yes. And you don't always know this, especially when you're young, just like going, oh, I can't believe this happened. Yeah. Why did he dump me? Oh, my relationship's (laughs) rubbish. And you're just, you're, you're there and you're punishing yourself. And the worst pain is self pain. You inflict on yourself through all these things that happen rather than just giving yourself extra self love and care. You tend to, to take it out on yourself instead. And then that leads to a number of issues like weight gain, just feeling terrible. And I think learning about that and acknowledging it and then working on it to become better is the most important lesson you can ever do. Absolutely agreed. Lastly, Kim, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? Well, I would just say never underestimate forgiveness. No matter how much pain you're going through, there's always love the other side. There's never enough love. You can always give more. And to remember to extend kindness beyond your the capacity of who you know and what you think you know because it will always come back to you and you know treat others how you'd wish to be treated yourself beautifully said kim thank you so much for being here with me today and for taking and making the time to chat with me it has been an absolute pleasure and very educational i might add so thank you very much for sharing your wisdom and for putting the bright beautiful light out into the world that you do i am grateful to have you as a member of the Empowerography community and to have had the time to sit down and chat with you. It's been great. I've enjoyed it. And it's, you know, I love the style of how you approach the questions. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kim. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Kim Chantali. She is an entrepreneur, an aromatherapist, an international bestselling author, the owner and founder of Muscle Mechanics Balms, and lastly, but certainly not least, a mother. Kim, thank you so much. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. Take care. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.